Ahoy hoy. Welcome in. We are live. I am hopping in a live best ball. We are just outside of the draft now. So I want to see where some of these players are landing. So I've hopped in here. Going to my draft. I only have like a minute or two here. Usually you get 15 minutes. But you know I had to make my coffee. And I am from British Columbia, Canada. So I had to, had to get a quick session. So I am at pick six here. Interesting. Okay. So pick six. Don't love pick six. Because... You know, it's a bad omen, obviously. Pick six, you know, the Jameis Winston of the draft here. You know, my rankings are Christian McCaffrey, Saquon Barkley, Alvin Kamara, Michael Thomas, Ezekiel Elliott, Tyreek Hill. So I'm hoping for an Alvin Kamara at six will be my pick. So what are we doing first when we hop in these drafts? Oh, uh, why I'm kind of just super excited to hop in a live best ball is because uh, I just redid all my, all my best ball rankings here post-draft. So, uh, by the way, those are on truenorthffb.com. I have about 400 people ranked, about to 250 or so I'm very confident in. What I'm doing right now outside of the, you know, from the 250 to 400 range, you know, for you deep dynasty weirdos and all of us. So uh, what I'm doing is kind of pocketing a bunch of players together. So I'll put players from teams that I'm targeting, you know, right beside each other, so to speak. So I have someone like a Gio or even like a Gio Bernard and a Travion Williams. Like those are two players I'll have you know, right around the 250 range, but I'll have them right beside each other just so I'm, I'm scooping both of them up at the back end of my roster in those deeper leagues. Uh, but, you know, the other thing we're doing here is kind of laying the landscape. We want to see who we know in these drafts, make sure we're in a sharp draft here. And the whole point of this, why I'm hopping in and doing a live best ball, why I'm recording it, is I want to make sure we know where some of these rookies are going, where a lot of the the sharpest drafters who are driving this ADP and people who are in these live best balls, all these degenerates right now, we want to know where they're taking these rookies, what their gut feeling is telling them, and we want to see uh, some of the players who were affected by the draft pick. So we want to look at players like Philip Lindsay and guys like that. We'll just we'll make sure we're pointing out where those guys are going. We'll try and examine some of the situations as we go, and uh, it should be a really fun time. These are some of the funnest live best ball drafts you'll do right after the draft, right after the combine, right when they start up all these pockets of the offseason that we're trying to take advantage of some of the player values that emerge, you know, and that gets into that larger conversation, earmuffs, Matt Kelly, but that portfolio we talk about sometimes where you're grabbing a lot of player shares. So uh, in an example, that might be someone like Aaron Jones, where I'm not too worried about Aaron Jones. I know some people might be, and uh, I just think if anything, they've shown us the direction they want to go. And, you know, we talked a lot about that on the True North podcast last year about how the running backs were far more involved than in any Anything Aaron Rodgers has really experienced in any of his offenses in the past. So, you know, we kind of saw the direction they were going. They really cemented that. We're going to see a lot of 12 personnel. We're going to see a lot of the run game, and that's going to benefit Aaron Jones, and he's going to get the passing work out of the backfield there. And we saw how dynamic he was in that facet of the game last year. So not too worried about Aaron Jones. Point being is, while I like Aaron Jones, he just might be somebody that I'm shying away from because I have so much exposure early in the offseason, right? Because I already have about 100 best balls under my belt. And so we are off here. First pick went Christian McCaffrey. Whoa. Ding, ding. <laughs> um, What sound? I want to go with the normal one. Where's the fucking normal one? The bell is kind of, you know, it, we're doing a live best ball. It gives me that, uh, that buffer vibe. Who, you know, Bruce Buffer is the far better buffer, by the way. Michael Buffer gets all the credit, all the fame. But Bruce Buffer's the man. He is intense. Uh, Saquon Barkley, number two. Shocker. You know, it's a pretty chalky first two picks, obviously, with Saquon Barkley. Oh, okay. Yeah, okay. So Saquon Barkley and Christian McCaffrey, they're always going to go 101, 102 in our drafts. We're pretty used to that. 
103 is going to typically be Ezekiel Elliott. And I think what we can do post-draft with Ezekiel Elliott, because there's a lot to unpack with the Dallas Cowboys on the NFL draft front, but uh, putting aside the fact they probably had the best draft after last year having one of the worst drafts in 2019. So kudos on that front. But with Ezekiel Elliott, I think we can definitely scale back our expectations in the passing game for Ezekiel Elliott. Like we're going to cap him probably at, you know, 50 catches at the most. Damn it. So he went Alvin Kamara. So I might take Michael Thomas here. I just have so little Michael Thomas, but the next running back on my board is Miles Sanders. So, you know, I know I can get one of these guys, Miles Sanders, Austin Eckler, Nick Chubb, Derrick Henry, Aaron Jones. Those are the guys I have tiered after these wide receivers here. So maybe I will take a Michael Thomas. Not going to reach on uh, Tyreek Hill at this point, even though I have those guys in the same tier. So I'll go Michael Thomas. Don't like to start my drafts wide receiver very often, but when you're going to get Michael Thomas at six overall, you know, that's another thing we can kind of unpack. Uh, people forget about these elite players and how the draft affects them. Michael Thomas, you know, we went into the draft expecting the New Orleans Saints to add a top-name wide receiver in the first round. Maybe it was Jalen Regular, maybe it was uh, a Brendan Ayuk or whoever. LaVisca Chenault was an early offseason mock draft pick in the first round of the Saints. Point being, they did not draft a wide receiver. In fact, they didn't all draft. They drafted Adam Troutman in the third round. They brought in Marquez Calloway, who's a UDFA I like, who maybe can fill that Ted Ginn role. We'll see who, between him and Traquan Smith, uh, inherits that role as the deep threat in this offense. But point being, this offense operates in a very particular way. Drew Brees is entirely dependent on yards after the catch. And at this point in the career uh, of his career, we've seen the Saints really transition this offense. And Michael Thomas and his skill set just align perfectly with the identity of this offense with how Drew Brees and Sean Payton have the ability to get their players in space and be used uh, where, where they're most dangerous. So Michael Thomas is that guy. He's the most efficient wide receiver we've ever seen start his career through three years. It's just unbelievable what he's done. When it comes to the catches, the totals, the volume, the catch rates, and then obviously the crescendo of a third season last year, uh, pretty much being Michael, uh, being uh, Marvin Harrison 2.0 there. So uh, Michael Thomas, Tyreek Hill, Devontae Adams. So that's actually my rankings there too. That's interesting. So Maybe actually, I think I might have Nuke Hopkins ahead of Devontae Adams, but Devontae Adams is a very similar conversation that I just uh, went through with Michael Thomas, right? Their team who was, you know, under the, we were, we were pretty sure that Green Bay was going to add a wide receiver. In fact, I had a lot more confidence that Green Bay would add a wide receiver looking at, you know, the Saints possibly going offensive line like I had them going in my mock draft uh, or at the linebacker. Obviously, they had Patrick Queen that they passed on in the first round. But point being that, you know, Devontae Adams is set up very nice to see 140 targets next year, and that's pretty hard to say. I think Michael Thomas, Devontae Adams might be the safest bets to lead the league in targets next year. And then obviously, sandwich in between there, Tyreek Hill kind of goes without saying. And, you know, Kansas City also, another team that there was only 10 teams that didn't draft a wide receiver in this uh, 2020 class. Obviously, uh, a very savory one. And one of those teams was the Kansas City Chiefs. So, you know, maybe we'll look at Demarcus Robinson and Byron Pringle, who are players that I talked about in that right around that back of the draft there where I'm just pairing players together right now, hoping that they can be the last two picks in our seven, eight, nine team wide receiver builds, right? So after those wide receivers, we saw Joe Mixon go, Derrick Henry, Miles Sanders. Joe Mixon obviously maybe has that ceiling realized now that Joe Burrow comes in. Zach Taylor heading into his sophomore season as a head coach, inheriting his quarterback at this point. A lot of parallels to draw between them and the Arizona Cardinals of last year. Just the getting in at the ground floor sort of uh, concept when it comes to fantasy football. And then Derrick Henry, you're just looking at a guy who... 
was slapped with the franchise tag, right? They chose uh, with the new CBA and all the nuance that came with that. They weren't able to do uh, both. So they had to choose, and they chose Ryan Tannehill for the long-term long term deal. So that could mean a couple things. With Derrick Henry, we know he's going to – he might be the safest guy. There's not a, not many guys between him and Ezekiel Elliott and Saquon Barkley. Like, there's a few players that we can project 300 carries for. Not project even, that we can hope for, right? Uh, Derrick Henry's probably going to be the guy who's projected with the most carries uh, in the NFL, just like he had last year. But keep in mind that some of the things he accomplished last year, it was a very low – bar set for league leading rushing you know what I mean and it took him passing Nick Chubb on week on the last week of the season there so speaking of which it went Derrick Henry Miles Sanders who's another big winner with Philadelphia not adding a running back of any substance and Nick Chubb you know they didn't add any pass catchers maybe we see a lot of cream hunter the slot and you know the reason that I can still get on board with Nick Chubb over say a Josh Jacobs is I think Nick Chubb will have a lot more passing volume and Kenyon Drake going right at the turn there. So he went Nick Chubb and Kenyon Drake. I really like that start. I'm a big uh, Kenyon Drake proponent for this season. Very high in my rankings. And Josh Jacobs at the 2-2 is a guy that's definitely slid down my rankings because of the additions of Lynn Bowden, the addition of Henry Ruggs, the addition of uh, Brian Edwards. You know, you just go down the list. Jalen Richard. So Jalen Richard and Lynn Bowden Jr. Definitely interesting guys to pair at the back end of your rosters right now in best ball because I think they made it pretty clear they could give a fuck less whether they... Uh, give Josh Jacobs any passing work so I'm looking down the barrel of going zero RB here interesting enough the guy who sticks out actually is Clyde Edwards Elaire who sitting at 19th overall you're not going to get a lot of Clyde Edwards Elaire he's going to rise and rise and rise if we remember Kareem Hunt without as much hype without as much information that we're getting we know the stats behind what uh Andy Reid running backs have accomplished their top 10 running backs in points per game almost every season that he's coached in the NFL and that's a long long time and there's a lot of talented backs, and none of them went as high in the draft as Clyde Edwards there. He's never spent a first-round pick on a draft. And, of course, Clyde Edwards there goes right in front of me. So the other guy that I'm looking at is Travis Kelsey. I know there's a lot of stuff to parse when you're talking about taking a tight end this early in the draft, especially when you don't have a running back on your roster. But I really do think I've hit the wall almost at running back. I don't want to take a Jonathan Taylor here because of the fear that we might not get a lot of pass catching upside. Todd Gurley is a guy who just scares me to death, especially as my running back one. I'm not going to go out of my way to make somebody like that my running back one when I can just uh, sort of go the path of zero RB and bet on high variance and take that path. So let's go that route. And I'm going to take Travis Kelsey because taking a tight end early, the hit rates have really bared out that it pays off and I know there's there's a little bit more substance there if you go running back tight end there's a little bit higher hit rates if you go running back tight end from 2019 and before that for that matter but why I love Travis Kelsey is we still don't have to take him as high as Gronkowski in his prime as high as Jimmy Graham way back in the day but what what he does is give you exactly the same advantage at that position if not a greater advantage actually to be honest but Travis Kelsey is also extremely durable I know he's going to give me a big advantage at that position it's locked and loaded and that's why the hit rates bear that out because there's a lot of ambiguity right as soon as you get to this range I know that a Kenny Galladay is really attractive a Mike Evans uh, Odell Beckham Jr. DJ Moore Lamar Jackson all these players are very attractive but at 19 overall you know any of these guys you could see slipping to 30 overall not necessarily a, a George Kittle or somebody like that but I can get a DJ Moore I can get a Juju Smith-Schuster and the arbitrage plays aren't even much of that right they're not that substantial of drop-offs when you're looking at the points per game and you look at the hit rates and where they come from and the the thresholds of what these what the points these guys are scoring so 
There's no uh, shame in going early tight end and don't let anybody tell you different. So Clyde Edwards-Elaire at the 2-6. So the sixth pick in the second round is where you have to take Clyde Edwards-Elaire right now. And if you have any doubts about him being the 101 in rookie drafts, if you want that early production, because you know we know projections are a safe medium outcome or whatever, they're you know they're a safer than sorry kind of uh, what we expect to happen. So with Clyde Edwards-Larry, I looked at a lot of early projections when it comes to uh, post NFL draft. They are way way too low on his pass catching upside. This guy will catch 50 balls in his sleep next year, and they wouldn't have drafted him in the first round if they weren't going to feed this guy. So he's going to be out there on every third down. He's going to be catching the ball like crazy. They're going to design some incredible runs. Uh, sorry, some incredible uh, passing plays. We saw how he could adjust to the ball, in, you know, at the college level last year with Joe Burrow in that pro style offense. We saw him be the most uh, relevant pass catching running back at the college football level in recent memory. So we have a lot of faith in Clyde Edwards Elaire just coming right in, catching a ton of balls, having a lot of plays designed for him by arguably the best guy designing plays for a fantasy running back in the history of the game. So. Clyde Erdzilaire, 2-6. There's no such thing as too early for him, in my opinion. And then we see sort of a run on, not boring guys, but guys that we expect to see in this range of the back half of the second round. So Julio Jones, a big winner, man. They did not do anything. The main thing we can say is that, yeah, you can say Todd Gurley's a winner, but what Atlanta did in the draft is do nothing of the sort saying that we're going to bring in a big-name running back like we had expected, say, two months ago. And they have zero intentions of transitioning this offense to incorporate a running back. You know, they, we've seen them be, you know, bottom three in rushing for back-to-back seasons. And Dirk Cutter and Dan Quinn, they, if they're not on the hot seat, they, they, they definitely will be mid-season. And what they're going to do is throw the ball a ton, I think. And we saw just a completely two-faced season from them last year, which was pretty bizarre. But So this is where Jonathan Taylor gets interesting at 30 when you have no running back still. But maybe I can get cute later and go Mark Ingram, J.K. Dobbins, something like that. But if I have Jonathan Taylor as a top 15 running back, you should take him here. Interesting debate is there is some really good wide receiver depth. If Kenny Galladay was still on the board, I would have snapped on Kenny Galladay. But Kenny Galladay went just in front of me. So I am going to go Jonathan Taylor. It's earlier than I have him ranked. I have Jonathan Taylor ranked 36, so right at the back end of that third round here. But... Yeah, I have a pretty strict rule of trying to grab one or two running backs in my top 15 running backs because I have no problem avoiding running backs until, uh, say, the 7th or 8th round again after that. And making sure that we're hammering wide receivers during that 3rd to 6th round range where the hit rates are just off the charts. And, like, you're drafting in the 3rd to 6th round guys like Calvin Ridley, Amari Cooper, Robert Woods, Cooper Cup. All these guys are going to score very, very close to players that were taken in the 2nd round, like a Julio Jones even, right? So... These are the guys we want to be picking up because you get them at such a good rate and they, they pay off their, their ADP so frequently. And so Julio Jones, you know, Atlanta, big winners. Leonard Fournette at the 2-9, uh, I think they're not going to pick up uh, Leonard Fournette's fifth-year option next year. I just, you have no idea what's going to happen with Jacksonville. One thing I can say for certain is Leonard Fournette will not see 100 targets next year. Uh, 2-9, though, what are you going to do? You know, there's a lot of positive touchdown regression to argue for with Leonard Fournette. However, I just, I don't know if the volume's going to be there. Maybe they run him into the ground. They sure tried to last year, giving him uh, pretty much the second highest snap count behind Christian McCaffrey in the NFL when it comes to the running back position, but they, and they might do the same thing this year is what I'm saying, but I just, I can't bet on a guy who's really, last year was the only year he's shown durability and the only year he's shown any semblance of efficiency. So I'm not a huge Leonard Fournette fan. Uh, George Kittle at 210, love it. Chris Godwin at 211, great pick. 
Uh, I think Chris Godwin is is going to be a locked and loaded top 12 wide receiver. I think Mike Evans is going to be a locked and loaded top 15 wide receiver. He's just going to kill you in certain weeks, but this is the best ball. So Mike Evans at the 212, no problem with that. Todd Gurley at 3-1, still too early for me. I just won't be exposed to Todd Gurley very much this year. I also think that Atlanta... You know, what happens with Edo Smith, Brian Hill, and that kind of ugly RBBC that could form there? I, I, I'm wondering if they bring in somebody like Carlos Hyde to make it even muddier. Uh, I'm just going to wait and see with Atlanta's backfield. And like I said, it's just a really overrated landing spot, anyways. Even heading into the draft, we were saying that, like, we don't necessarily want to overblow if one of our running backs that we like goes to Atlanta because it is a pretty, uh, pretty ugly landing spot for running back. So Lamar Jackson at the 3 2. We know we got some weapons, that's for sure. J.K. Dobbins and Devin DuVernay. And Le'Veon Bell at the 3-3, one of the biggest winners of the draft, no doubt about it, especially when you look at how little they added in the pass-catching department with just bringing in a Denzel Mims. So I am thinking about trying to get cute and go Mark Ingram here and J.K. Dobbins in the fifth round. I wish I kind of like concentrated a little more, but there's so much wide receiver value on the board. With a Michael Thomas, adding a Juju Smith-Schuster isn't like sexiest idea but neither is Robert Woods or Calvin Ridley the guys I have right behind him but I think I'm just going to keep hammering wide receiver here and I'll just address running back whenever I want and we are going to do that so maybe I can grab a Keyshawn Vaughn in the seventh round or something like there's still ways that I can hopefully get a little bit of value and I'm going to just pull the trigger on Juju Smith-Schuster so my start is Jonathan Taylor Michael Thomas Juju Smith-Schuster and Travis Kelsey so it's always going to look ugly till I get to the 8th or ninth round when you take an early tight end. And that's a reminder that obviously I'm not looking at quarterback at this range of the draft. You can try and maybe get cute with, uh, like if you're going to even entertain it, make sure you're pairing Travis Kelsey with Patrick Mahomes. But, you know, I said tight end has a high hit rate when you go tight end early. But if you pair that with a, with a quarterback in the first seven rounds, say, uh, your tight ends, they decrease significantly. So just going back here, Le'Veon Bell, DJ Moore at the 3-4. Love DJ Moore. They added zero offensive players in the draft in Carolina, and DJ Moore is going to play Teddy Bridgewater's Michael Thomas there. I really like that pick. Kenny Galladay at the 3-5 might be the best best value in the draft. Kenny Galladay will catch up really soon because as soon as projections and stuff come out, it's going to be hard not to give him a ton of deep work and a ton of red zone volume. And I know Marvin Jones is still there for now. He is a cuttable piece, but you know, with their with with the way they they operated the draft, I don't see Marvin Jones getting cut now, even though I kind of did think that a month ago. But Kenny Galladay is a huge value, and you can grab Marvin Jones on the same team in the eighth round and grab Matt Stafford in the eleventh. It's one of the best stacks in fantasy football right now. So at three six is where I took Jonathan Taylor. So I apologize. We couldn't really gauge where he goes in a draft here in the first uh, live best ball I'm in post NFL draft. But I don't think he's going to go much later than the late third round for Jonathan Taylor. And I'll just say right now, I really Marlon Mack has been incredibly dependent on snaps like the splits he's seen when. Uh, they're just pretty drastic whether he sees 60% uh, 60 snaps in a game, 80% snaps in a game. His fantasy points are really relying on volume and snaps. So Patrick Mahomes went right after me, just uh, for the record there, when I took Jonathan Taylor. So I could have very easily paired Patrick Mahomes if I wanted to do so. I would have had to use my second and third round pick on Travis Kelsey and then Patrick Mahomes. So not interested in that. Devin Singletary at the 3-9. I think that's a really ugly pick right now. Devin Singletary is somebody I'm very low on right now. Obviously, I love Zach Moss, and that doesn't factor into it necessarily. I was already pretty low on Devin Singletary, uh, not only because they had just you know put up the flag that they were going to add a significant piece at their running back position, 
And, you know, there is volume to be had. We saw Frank Gore and Devin Singletary have over 150 carries last year. But what I'm saying is it's a pretty unattractive spot because of the rushing at the goal line when, when we're looking at Josh Allen. And it, he's just not going to target the running back position either. Josh Allen just pretty much, he really caps running backs uh, ceiling when it comes to fantasy football. So in the third round, I just think that's a that's a hard pass for me on Devin Singletary, especially when right behind him went three wide receivers that I really like in this range. Odell Beckham Jr., Cooper Cup, and Adam Thielen. Adam Thielen, obviously another big winner uh, of the offseason so far. So I can't get... Oh, I was kind of looking at Raheem Mostert. It was the guy I wanted, and it sucks because Jonathan Taylor, Raheem Mostert, it's just a terrible start. You need some pass catching. If you're gotten, that's you know that's one of those things when you have a Jonathan Taylor, you need to make sure you're adding pass catching to that. Cam Akers is, yeah, it's a little early, but um, but I should be going wide receiver here. So Tyler Lockett is the highest player on my board. DK Metcalf is literally right below him in my rankings. I love to pair those two. Uh, DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett, and Russell Wilson are all three of some of my highest owned players. So let's go DK Metcalf. So the reason I went DK over Tyler Lockett is I expect them to score a pretty similar amount of points. I expect Tyler Lockett to have more targets. I expect DK Metcalf to have more spiked weeks, to be honest. So uh, I know Tyler Lockett has his spiked week uh, upside as well. But DK Metcalf, yeah, I just I think he pairs well with a team that has Michael Thomas and Juju Smith-Schuster to kind of slot after the catch, high upside volume guys. I, I just I think DK Metcalf uh, complements that corpse a little bit better. So going back to the draft, Adam Thielen and Allen Robinson were those guys pick at the 312 and 401. And tell me one of those guys is going to score as a top 12 wide receiver. And that's kind of my point when you look at hit rates in this range of the draft. Amari Cooper at the 4-2. DeAndre Swift at the 4-3. Wow, I uh, I wouldn't have expected that. So if you had uh, DeAndre Swift at the 4-3, you're pretty much saying that you expect Kerryon Johnson to see very little work. You expect DeAndre Swift to see a lot of pass catching. I I would love to see that because I'm a big DeAndre Swift fan. I have him closer, uh, actually have him behind J.K. Dobbins just because of the upside. And uh, I, I think DeAndre Swift has a lot of upside in the long term, especially as that offensive line grows in Detroit. But I, I don't know with DeAndre Swift. He's one of the guys I have a hard time figuring out right now. I definitely have him right ahead of Cam Akers, but I'm not so sure about the pass catching uh, being available right away. I'm not sure that they they don't have somebody running a three down a third down roll. I think they would be silly not to give DeAndre Swift a ton of pass catching upside but uh, I just don't have a lot of faith in Daryl Bevel there and he's never really targeted the running back a ton outside of Theo Riddick and role players so uh, keeping going here where was I yeah so these are some interesting picks so AJ Brown has just fallen down and down the board when we started in February doing best balls um, AJ Brown was straight up like a second round pick and now he's going to the 4-4 here I think people are finally realizing like he needs volume and he probably won't get volume as long as Derrick Henry's there and they're operating that offense in a specific fashion James Conner right behind him I really like James Conner you can add James Conner and Andrew McF- uh, Anthony McFarlane really cheap right now uh, James Conner's been a top 10 running back in points per game over the last two years I know he's missed a ton of games but in points per game he's been a top 10 running back so uh, two years straight. So James Conner, Chris Carson right behind him. Obviously, Chris Carson is being pegged as one of the big winners of the offseason. I wonder with that hip injury, you know, Rashad Penny having injury concerns, will both of them be ready for week one? Will both of them withstand the season? I think we need that third running back in Seattle, especially in redraft leagues and stuff. And I am still looking at wide receivers hard, eh? Whoopsies. 
Like, my, my running back here that I'd be looking at would be Kareem Hunt, Matt Breida, James White. Those are my next three running backs, and we are in the sixth round. So I'm really going not even modified 0RB. I'm pretty much going 0RB here where I just threw in a Jonathan Taylor. So DJ Chark is definitely the guy I am eyeing up here. I also have Tyler Boyd on my board. I have Debo Samuel, who's definitely dropped a little bit in my rankings here post-NFL draft. And then if I wanted the upside, I have players like Will Fuller. Yo, Keyshawn Vaughn here in the sixth round. So that's the interesting one. Do I want to go two rookies? It's just I, I think Keyshawn Vaughn's going to even go up higher than the sixth round. But I don't. I kind of want to gauge where he goes for this particular draft. So let's just go DJ Chark here. Now I have four really solid wide receivers. Uh, in fact, what I'm hoping right now is that I've drafted my three starting wide receivers in this start three PPR league here. And... Uh, Travis Kelsey, I have my starting tight end. And then my fourth, I'm hoping that I have my flex there with DJ Chark or DK Metcalf on a weekly basis. So liking my start, it's starting to round into form. Really interested to see if I can get Keyshawn Vaughn at 78th overall here in the seventh round. I think when you're in slow drafts, for instance, uh, you're, you're a lot more likely to see people making sharp picks and not letting value slide down the board. Like you'll, you'll see value slide down the board a little more frequently in these one-minute clock live best balls and there's some good value on the board right now. So where was I? Oh, I think we might have an auto-drafter because Marlon Mack went. So Chris Carson, uh, I took Juju Smith-Schuster. And then Cortland Sutton at the 4-8. I mean, I have moved Cortland Sutton down significantly. Do we think Drew Locke can support Cortland Sutton, Jerry Judy, who should command close to 100 targets? I'm telling you, he's that good. Uh, <clears throat> there's no way Cortland Sutton is going to see that big upside, you know what I mean? Because there's so much offense to account for. When you look at Melvin Gordon coming in, you still have Royce Freeman and Philip Lindsay there. And then the wide receivers with Cortland Sutton, Jerry Judy, and then you have uh, KJ Hamler, who I'm just a huge fan of. I, I don't know who's going to run out of the slot there. The I, I thought Jerry Judy, when he got drafted, was replacing uh, my Bayshon in the slot for sure and going get, to get a lot of volume. But KJ Hamler's played almost all the snaps out of the slot. He's kind of a Marquise Brown prototype, but... Uh, you also have Noah Fant to account for. So Drew Locke, Kenny Sport, 16 million weapons. I'm not so sure. Don't know what to do with that Denver offense. I'm not taking Cortland Sutton in the fourth round right now. I'm not worried about him, though, in Dynasty. I think that offense should be pretty efficient. Uh, I think there'll just be a lot of short, efficient targets in that offense. So J.K. Dobbins at the 4-9. J.K. Dobbins and then Mark Ingram went behind him. So I have them ranked right beside each other. I really want those guys on the same roster. Uh we know the split distributions when you look at Mark Ingram, even at the goal line, he wasn't seeing more than 50% of nothing anywhere, put it that way. And Gus the Bus Edwards just, he stole the nickname from Jerome Bettis despite being one of uh, one of the least efficient fucking running backs we've ever seen in the at the goal line, in the red zone, inside the 10-yard line, everything. He and uh, Alexander Madison, they stood alone when it comes to touchdown rates and all that stuff last year. And some of the some of Steelers running backs there with Jalen Samuels and uh, my... my uh, my non-boy Benny Snell. So I'm just looking. Ah, it sucks. I, I guess we're in the seventh round, so I can't. I can't do that. There's a guy I'm just dying for here to keep my zero RB going. If if I can get a Tyler Boyd or even a Will Fuller here, like Will Fuller is really interesting to me. If I can get a Will Fuller, uh, maybe a Deshaun Watson in the eighth round because eighth round is where maybe I'll start to take a quarterback. Like I said, I did take early tight end, so I'm really trying to avoid uh, making mistakes like that. And so Keyshawn Vaughn went, so we'll get there. 
So yeah, J.K. Dobbins at the 4.9, Mark Ingram. So Robert Woods at the 4.10, I really like Robert Woods' value right now. He's not a sexy pick, but he's going to get 100 targets. Uh, he's got a lot of positive touchdown regression coming. Damian Williams at the 4.12, very interesting. So this guy actually at the turn went with the Super Bowl boys. He took Damian Williams and then Raheem Mostert. If you're at the turn taking Raheem Mostert at the 5.1, I don't really care. I mean, it's going to look like a reach, but uh, not as bad as Damian Williams at the 4.12 now, but uh, I, I like Raheem Mostert for this year. Actually, maybe I'll go Kareem Hunt instead of Tyler Boyd. Why not? So actually, I went Kareem Hunt there. I don't really like starting a stab at running back this early again if I'm kind of going this path, especially with Tyler Boyd on the board. But uh, that's kind of tongue twister. But the reason I didn't go Tyler Boyd is because I do have Juju Smith-Schuster. I do have Michael Thomas, who are very reliable, upside target guys. And until AJ Green's gone, I just, I'm not sure about Tyler Boyd's ceiling. I worry about the touchdown upside in that offense. I'm not sure where those touchdowns are going to go. I haven't really, uh, really, really haven't done the thought process there. And I just think I have a lot of Tyler Boyd as well, gets into exposure and all that stuff. So I decided to go Kareem Hunt, who I have very little shares of, but clearly a big winner. I mean, they, they, they made no signs that they're going to give him any less work than we saw him get during the second half of the season where he was a running, a top 15 running back in fantasy. So I think Kareem Hunt has a lot of upside. Maybe even they trade him after they're, maybe they're falling out of standings. Who knows what happens with Kareem Hunt, but we know he has upside. We'll put it that way. So getting him around pick 80, I have no problem with that. I don't have a lot of Kareem Hunt because he's usually gone uh, by the end of round seven. So, you know, on a team like this, I just think Kareem Hunt pairs with Jonathan Taylor well because, if anything, I know Kareem Hunt's going to get some pass-catching upside, and I know that he's very, very good in that department. So, Kareem Hunt, I also mentioned Rashad Higgins left, and they didn't add even any wide receivers in Cleveland. So, I mean, they added Donovan Peoples-Jones, but let's be real. I said they didn't add any wide receivers. Uh, they might add a track athlete, but anyways, Kareem Hunt, I could see him playing in the slot quite a bit next year. And... uh I can see a lot of 12 personnel as well, so they could be running the ball just a ton there with uh, Stefanski's new offense that he's bringing in. So I could actually kind of queue up a couple players here. I don't want to miss out on running backs. You know what's interesting to me is adding Rob Gronkowski in the eighth round. I don't know where I'm supposed to take Rob Gronkowski, but I have him ranked as my 93rd overall player right now. So, you know, back of the eighth round isn't crazy because I'm picking at, yeah, I'm picking at 91. So that is fun. Uh, Rob Gronkowski and Travis Kelsey on the same team. I never thought I'd see that. And I don't think it's outlandish, but I, I'd really like to have a Mike Evans or a Chris Godwin on my team if I'm adding Rob Gronkowski. And another guy along those same lines is Matt Breida, I guess, because I have Matt Breida as one of my highest-ranked players right now on my board, but I'm not really sure where I'm supposed to take him either. So uh, another guy I might not take in this draft just to get a good feel, but... Keyshawn Vaughn's a guy that I kind of look back and wish I took instead of Kareem Hunt, and maybe I could have added uh, Tyler Boyd instead of DJ Chark, right? Those are the kind of thought exercises you want to do is uh, Kareem Hunt and DJ Chark versus Tyler Boyd and Keyshawn Vaughn. Because the other issue is, like, Matt Breed is still on the board there and players that I'm talking about, Rob Gronkowski, but other guys are still on the board as well that are really interesting. Like, Will Fuller in the eighth round, like, what is happening here? Like, you should have some wide receivers on your team already. You expect Will Fuller to be nothing more than a guy who you're expecting to give you spiked weeks and plug into your lineup here and there, right? That's all you're expecting after your 
third and fourth wide receivers you draft, you're just hoping for the, you, you know, the guys who are going to give you those weeks the most often, right? So Will Fuller is the guy who's going to give you those weeks pretty much every week he's healthy. That's how good he is. That's how strong the connection he has uh, with his elite quarterback. And yeah, it's just an easy, I'm smashing that one. So I have Michael Thomas, Juju Smith-Schuster, DK Metcalf, DJ Chark, Will Fuller. So I'm very, very happy with my wide receiver corpse. Might ignore my wide receivers for, you know, the foreseeable future here now that I have five very strong wide receivers. In fact, I have five wide receivers that I'll have ranked as top 36 wide receivers in my rankings, I imagine. So uh, let's go to some of these cues here before I go back to the draft, just so I don't dick this up, because I do need to start hammering the running back position, and we know that the hit rates start to get really strong in the in the ninth and 10th rounds there. Uh, I think it would shock people to learn that we see more often 200-point uh, fantasy scores from the running back position come from the ninth and 10th rounds than we do from the 5th, 6th, 7th, and 8th rounds often. So I am really queuing up guys who play in good offenses, guys who have pass-catching upside, and can see that high variance via like a, like a big touchdown season for some reason. So like a Latavius Murray, right, who plays with the Saints, but a Tariq Cohen who has that pass-catching floor, and uh, players like that, you want to mix the mix the two together, obviously, so... I do know that you want to be starting to add quarterbacks at some point, right? So I do want to look at that. And there's lots of options for me here when I'm looking at guys that I can still pair with my pass catchers and players. So Baker Mayfield to pair with Kareem Hunt's not a very attractive one, but Ben Roethlisberger with a Juju Smith-Schuster, making sure I add. I like, uh, for instance, uh, if I was to do that, I'd really turn around and add a Chase Claypool late. I, I might even target an Andrew, uh, Anthony McFarlane regardless because – he makes for a very spectacular zero RB target this year. Guys like him and Boston Scott, uh, guys who are going to play speed elements and uh, factor into pretty pretty high powered offenses are guys we want to get our hands on, and they play behind spectacular offensive lines. A guy like Tony Pollard might fall fall into that mix as well. A guy I own a lot of. Uh, however, post NFL draft signaling they they might go extremely pass heavy in Dallas. Uh, yeah, I'm kind of starting to get a little squeamish with all my millions of shares of Tony Pollard. Where is Antonio Gibson? I got to make sure I get Antonio Gibson in this draft. So while I go through this draft, I'm still pretty far behind. So Kerryon Johnson's a guy who went in the sixth round. Keyshawn, Keyshawn Vaughn went at the 6'10 in this draft. So Keyshawn Vaughn, who stands to, you know, I think him and Ronald Jones are going to split carries and all that, but I think uh, Keyshawn Vaughn stands to see a lot of uh, the pass catching work and he's going to be in there in third down. He's decent pass blocker. Depends if you're looking at Graham Barfield's yards per uh, yards created metrics, or if you're looking at PFF, uh, Keyshawn Vaughn did not have the most spectacular pass catching uh, background, but uh, yeah, a decent pick at the 610. I don't think you're going to get a lot of shares of Keyshawn Vaughn later than, you know, the early sixth round, and he's, he's a guy who's only going to get more expensive is uh, the point with him. So this one's interesting because I have Matt Breida, Tariq Cohen, and Latavius Murray here. So maybe this is one where I sort with ADP and see who the guy will not be there. So, ah, oh, there's some really nice wide receiver values still. Jesus, Murphy. And uh, Tariq Cohen, hey. So, yeah, actually, all three of these guys might not last. That's, I mean, Matt Breida's ADP is obviously unreliable here at this point. I could be using my Rotoviz tool or a couple of the other tools here, but let's just go with Matt. Uh, I want to see where Matt Breida goes, though. So let's go with Tariq Cohen because I need to make sure I have pass catching in this backfield with Jonathan Taylor as my stronghold. So 
I did go Tariq Cohen. You're not going to find lots of guys who uh, you know have a, a running back two season on their resume, guys who have pretty much 80 target floor. And the reason we were scooping lots of shares here in the ninth and 10th round, I'm surprised he's not going earlier now. Uh, like in the James, like wherever James White goes is where you should be taking Tariq Cohen pretty much. But I think uh, we knew because Chicago had such little draft capital and they had some other needs they needed to fill that we weren't going to see them add anything of substance in this fantasy game. It was a pretty, it's a funny offense because they should be relying a lot on the pass catching from these, from these running backs. It's like their best attribute outside of Allen Robinson is both of their running backs pass catching upside. Uh, yet they, they definitely fail to uh, take advantage of that from David Montgomery and instead just run him between the tackles over and over. But uh, I, I just think Tariq Cohen's going to see a lot of targets and he's the human joystick. So it's a, it's an easy pick in the ninth round because you know, he's going to give you the floor and all he can do is uh, exceed your expectations at the price you're getting mad. So the wide receiver value is just off the fucking charts here still. And it kind of drives me nuts that I have five wide receivers because I could be taking a Marvin Jones, Henry Ruggs. I could be taking a, a Mike Williams, a Preston Williams. Like these guys are, are still on the board and they're pretty attractive at this point in the draft. However, I do need to start looking at, uh, you know, obviously my running back position is what I'm making sure I focus on before it gets too late. But I also want to take my tight end too at some point because there's lots of attractive options on that front, like a Mike Gesicki. But quarterback is what I need to address pretty quickly. So I uh, I don't have a lot of options, actually, as many as I kind of made it up to uh, to seem when it comes to uh, stacking or uh, pairing, tethering my pass catchers to a quarterback. But somebody like, uh, you know, Drew Brees is still there. So getting into the 10th round here, maybe I will start this quarterback run because, you know, I might have to come back and look at some of these picks later because this draft isn't uh, isn't going as slow as I thought. It's actually moving pretty quickly here. So Hayden Hurst at the 10-1, that's an early one. So maybe I'll just actually before, let's, because I don't want to skip these guys because this is the whole point of recording here. So, so you got Jordan Howard at the 8-1. Miami, obviously one of the shockers, not adding a big name at the running back position. But Jordan Howard at the 8-1, that's pretty questionable. I do not knew there. I'd be adding Matt Breida before Jordan Howard. And Matt Breida's gone. Shit. And Deontay Johnson at the 8-2. I really like Deontay Johnson, a guy I was actually... As soon as I took DJ uh, Juju, I, I was targeting him. But when I ended up getting super values on DJ Chark and Will Fuller in the eighth round there, I just decided to, uh, you know, like I was taking Will Fuller basically over Deontay Johnson, which was fine by me. And Hunter Henry at the 8-3 and Austin Hooper at the 8-5, those two guys are definitely overvalued for me right now. I, I have very little exposure before the draft. I'll have very little exposure post-NFL draft. Philip Lindsay at the 8-4 is a guy that I've seen in rankings just all over the place. And... Just a guy I will not be uh, targeting in the eighth rounds. I do think there's a range of outcomes. Like, everybody wants to trade away running backs, right? Every time somebody is like, what do you think of Royce Freeman? Well, you know, he could get traded. Well, you know, who the fuck's trading for Royce Freeman? So, Philip Lindsay's a guy who could have some trade uh, value in the NFL market if somebody needs, uh, you know, that speed element, that kind of zone outside run guy, like a Raheem Mostert kind of vibe because Philip Lindsay actually doesn't offer very much when it comes to pass catching uh Upside, but okay. So Rob Gronkowski, Rob Gronkowski at the eight six, very interesting. So I remember I talked about taking him in that eighth round, and I kind of wish I did now. The guy I'm gonna take here is Matt Ryan. I think this is a snap pick for me here, especially when I can just take Matt Ryan because he has a massive floor, and I can definitely do a two quarterback build with just Matt Ryan. And because I have 
because I have Travis Kelsey, I might even be able to do a two tight end build, a two quarterback build. And a lot of people don't like that. They think it's sketchy, but I don't really see a lot of difference in the variance going two tight end or two quarterback as opposed to two quarterback, three quarterback, and, you know, interchanging the two. So I have no problem going two quarterback. I know it's a little bit risky with a lot of the missed time we've seen at the position in the last few years, but Matt Ryan... I just think he's the guy who gives you all those 300-yard passing games. He has a very, very safe floor. I actually am not the super highest guy on Matt Ryan when it comes to fantasy. I just think he's going to be in that like quarterback 6-12 to 12 range every week. But I think uh, his his downside as he, as he trails down uh, in his career is like Philip like, uh, Rivers, right? Like he's going to still have these big passing games. He's just not going to not gonna offer that huge top five uh, ceiling that he maybe once had. But... I uh, I like grabbing Matt Ryan and and being able to just grab one more quarterback, preferably one who pairs like a like a Ben Roethlisberger who's famous for his upside uh, when it comes to the spiked weeks, and then he pairs with Juju Smith Schuster, or maybe I'll go with a uh, a Gardner Minshew. Now nah, that's a little bit late because you want to add your second quarterback or even your third quarterback. You want to make sure all your quarterbacks are on your roster by say the twelfth round. Usually that's kind of the rule of thumb. Uh, when you look at hit rates especially, and I think there is a lot to be said for three quarterback teams, even when you add a Matt Ryan, so definitely not excluding that possibility. I just know if I go with a three-quarterback build that my tight end two is going to be really ugly, and he's going to have no chance at playing in my flex ever, and while I do have five strong wide receivers that I'm confident one of the two, you know, with DK Metcalf, DJ Chark, or Will Fuller, hoping one of those three guys has a spiked week on a weekly basis, uh, so I can I can have them plugging in my flex, but you, you do like to get a tight end like a Mike Gesicki. You can have those spiked weeks or even the high-variant season, right, the breakout season that you're looking for, like a Noah Fant, who definitely would have been off the board a month ago before the draft, right? Noah Fant still being on the board is pretty shocking. You know, it's just funny if you were to tell me, uh, you know, one month ago today that Rob Gronkowski was going three rounds earlier than Noah Fant, uh, it, it wouldn't be taken very seriously. So Christian Kirk at the 8-8, uh, pretty surprising. We saw Arizona add no wide receivers, right? So Christian Kirk at the 8-8, I really like him as a third-year breakout. Brandon Cooks at the 8-10, really like that, especially when, you know, I took Will Fuller at the 8-7. I would have liked to have looked at Brandon Cooks maybe on the way back and just barely touched my wide receiver position afterwards, but uh, Brandon Cooks went right after I took Will Fuller. Ronald Jones at the 8-11, I am not touching Ronald Jones. Ronald Jones could have 150 carries and still be the running back like 45 this year, so... Just no upside there. He's not going to be the goal line back, and he's not going to be the pass catching back. Uh, he just, you know, and I don't think Arians likes him very much. And I, I just don't see his route to playing time. He's not going to be the return man. They brought in Raymond Calais to be that, be that guy. Mikol uh, Hardman. I'm Mikol him Hardman. He went at the eight twelve, and the guy took him and CD Lamb at the nine nine one. I love both those players. I love both them in fantasy. I think they're kind of sketchy to pair together. I think. You know, they're both good bets for breakout players, especially Mikkel Hardman. I mean, Mikkel Hardman having that sophomore step or uh, that third-year leap. Uh, sophomore step, yeah, Mikkel Hardman. Uh, uh, converted cornerback, so I actually really like Mikkel Hardman for this year, one of my highest-owned players. But CeeDee Lamb at the 9-1 is somebody I'm kind of pumping the brakes on for 2020. Still my fourth overall player, I think, in uh, rookie rankings. But uh, for the time being, it's funny. He's going to, I could say it right now, he'll be have the biggest third-year breakout in the history of fantasy football because... Unfortunately, Amari Cooper just got locked up long term there, and uh, you know also you have uh, so you have Amari Cooper long term, and then you have uh, Michael Gallup there till twenty twenty one, and they would be silly to trade away Michael Gallup for anything less than like a first round pick. So, 
or like an like a number one corner. So I I don't see that happening. And I, I think you know it's going to be tough, no matter how good I might think he is. Uh, it's going to be tough for him to carve it out right away. So I get yeah, Daniel Jones is pretty interesting. Matt Stafford pretty interesting. I really like these guys in the eleventh round. I'll tell you what. But maybe I'll actually maybe I'll go Mike Gesicki here. That's almost an easy pick. The other one is I still have running backs I need to take desperately, and Latavius Murray's on the board, so maybe I'll go Latavius Murray here. Actually, the only thing is uh, I I would have probably taken Latavius Murray a round ago over um over Matt Ryan, but I just I, the idea of Jonathan Taylor and Latavius Murray on the same team as two of my you know fifty percent of my running backs so far is just a really uh, hard one to stomach. But I think I am going to do it. Daniel Jones is just the guy who should, no way, he should be here. I think it's hilarious how, um, maybe I'll take a quick look here. So I'm going to take Latavius Murray. And so where was I? CeeDee Lamb, John Brown, Jalen Rager. Jalen Rager at the 9-3. So that is pretty early for Jalen Rager. I have someone like a Brendan Ayuk ahead of Jalen Rager for redraft. And for Dynasty, actually, I think. So Darius Slayton was the guy I wanted to look at. Darius Slayton at the 9-9. That might be one of the latest I've seen him go all offseason. I really like Darius Slayton. Uh, post-draft, New York Giants had a nobody, guys. Uh, Darius Slayton won big time uh, post-draft. But what I'm saying is you, you see Sterling Shepard go right behind him here at the 9-12. And we'll see Golden Tate either already be off the board or go pretty quickly. And obviously we know uh, Saquon Barkley's long gone and Evan Ingram is long gone. So Daniel Jones should be going higher than the 11th round. That's what uh, point being here. So... Uh, Boston Scott, that's a good value. No, it's not. So, okay, where am I? So, Darius Slayton at the 9-9. Jerry Judy at the 9-8. I have Jerry Judy ahead of Jalen Rager in redraft as well. I think Jerry Judy, uh, because of the situation he landed in, it's kind of unfortunate they went around and turned around and added a KJ Hamler, but I still think he's going to get 80 to 90 targets because he's Jerry Judy. So he's going to play some perimeter. He's going to play in the slot. I think he's going to be a 70% snap guy, even though it doesn't seem like he's going to be is, is kind of what I'm getting at. So at in the 10th round here, Tom Brady, Jared Cook, some picks. I just These are just picks I'm not looking at right now. And a Zach Moss, who I have a ton of shares of in the 12th and 13th rounds and even way beyond that from earlier in the offseason. So I'm really happy to see Zach Moss, the RB2 in Buffalo, going in the uh, late 9th round. Tons of stats I could feed about Frank Gore and the volume he received and how inefficient he was for fantasy on that volume. So it is, you know, there's room for somebody, there's room for two running backs there to be, say, top 30 running backs in Buffalo. I just think we need to really scale back the pass catching uh, upside and the and the touchdown upside with uh, Josh Allen having been the quarterback who scored the most rushing touchdowns over the last two years, more than Lamar Jackson. So uh, Jerry Judy, Matt Breida at the 9-10. So Matt Breida and Boston Scott at the 9-10, 9-11. Those are two guys I have a lot of shares of, and Matt Breida is somebody I'm very much willing to take in the ninth round. Absolutely, absolutely over Jordan Howard even. And Boston Scott, somebody that I'm more comfortable with in the 10th or 11th round. So to see him at the 9-11 it's just one of those ones where you're happy you have a ton of shares. So Hayden Hurst at the 10-1. A little early for Hayden Hurst there, but I see it. I actually have him and Austin Hooper pretty similarly ranked, and I uh, I see he went before players like Noah Fant and stuff, who I've actually just recently made that move myself. Anthony Miller at the 10-2, that's a horrible pick. I'm not an Anthony Miller fan. Anything he does right now can barely be considered a breakout. He's like an aging vet at this point. And Jared Cook, speaking of the devil, uh, at 10-3, you know, I don't mind Jared Cook, but... What he did last year is so unrepeatable. Some of that efficiency is just uh, un- unbelievable. 
So I did not add my tight end too. So I have Johnny Smith. I have Jared Goff here. Ah, it's just not enough spiked weeks. So Jared Goff is a guy who's going to give me spiked weeks. He gives you those very low weeks, but with a Matt Ryan, I think I can stomach that. And I do have a fourth running back on my roster. So the quarterbacks that I have available that don't seem like a reach as opposed to where if I added a Jimmy Garoppolo, if I even, because uh, I'm, I'm very upset that Ben Roethlisberger is not available for me here. I'm surprised that he's gone. I was really confident I would be able to be taking him in this slot, but instead I have to decide between Jared Goff, Ryan Tannehill, Baker Mayfield. So uh, Jared Goff, I think it might shock people, scored almost 300 points last year, and <laughs> you know Baker Mayfield didn't even come close, and Ryan Tannehill scored about 250 in his starts, which is more on a points-per-game basis, but I think I like Jared Goff just because of how easy the offense is made for him. And I think, you know, a lot's made about him and having a coach in his ear and all that crap. But it's more that he is so set up for yards after the catch and taking away (laughs) Brandon Cooks and replacing him with Van Jefferson is just hilarious to me. And Tyler Higby's there. It's just going to be a lot of short passing and a lot of uh, everybody else doing the work for Jared Goff. So I think I'm just going to take Jared Goff here. Maybe he's lost a little bit of his ceiling. Um, but we've seen him have those big spiked weeks. You just you, you don't have to look any further than that Los Angeles-Kansas City Chiefs game. That's probably the best football game I've ever watched in my life. So I do think adding Jared Goff, it's going to uh, leaves me with a really tough decision next round. What I should have done in retrospect, actually, like immediately after I took that, uh, is add Ryan Tannehill and try and get a Jonu Smith on the way back because Jonu Smith is the only tight end that I still like on the board. I don't want Jack Doyle, don't want Blake Jarwin. Don't want Chris Herndon, don't want Edgar Ebron, don't want O.J. Howard, don't want Ian Thomas. Like, all those guys are guys who have fallen <laughs> over the offseason. I mean, Chris Herndon's actually, and Eric Ebron are guys that have come back up, but, you know, uh, they're guys like Blake Jarwin, Eric Ebron, O.J. Howard. They're players I have shares of, and it's like, come on, I wish I didn't have as many shares of those guys because I was taking them in, like, the 11th, 12th rounds. Chris Herndon's a guy I have a ton of shares of in Dynasty, and it's just like I don't want a million shares of him best ball this year because it hurt too much last year, right? Uh, but with with the void in that pass-catching room, I just think they, they did give Ryan Griffin an extension, so I just think we need a lot of 12 personnel, which I don't see a lot of 12 personnel coming in with the Jets. It's going to be uh, tough for Herndon to pay off, whereas Blake Jarwin, could he could pay off his ADP just with like six six weeks where he scores, right? Like It's going to be a high-powered offense in uh, in Dallas there. So maybe if if I have a chance to take Ryan Tannehill here, I might do a three quarterback build because I still I don't have the option to take Johnny Smith. He just went, but I just think having Matt Ryan, Jared Goff, and Ryan Tannehill is a very strong quarterback room, and I didn't have to do it with anything cheaper than my tenth, twelfth, and thirteenth round pick. And I'm kind of, the guy I have as my highest ranked player right now is Anthony McFarland, the running back for Pittsburgh, the, the running back Pittsburgh Steelers uh, selected. And I also have Brandon Ayuk and Brashad Perriman. I also have Antonio Gibson, who is listed as a wide receiver on MFL. Whole nother story about whether it's a Tony Pollard situation and they just, you know, with anonymity switches position on you after you draft. So who knows what happens there, but... Okay, so Ryan Tannehill sniped right in front of me. Okay, so I will, I'll take Anthony McFarland. At 150 overall, I, I I don't know, right? This is so early in the process that I'm not sure. I am probably a little bit high on Anthony McFarlane, but I am a big fan of Anthony McFarlane, at least in this landing spot. And I was a bigger fan of his than I was, say, Darrington Evans and players like that pre-draft. So 
I'm going to go ahead, click the button with Anthony McFarlane. The thing is, I would have liked to add a little more pass-catching upside with uh, with this selection at the running back position. It, it, it makes it hard because what do I do at a, at a Jalen Samuels later? It's It makes it a little difficult because I've kind of capped my my selection like my pool of selections here because i can't necessarily take a justin jeff uh justin jackson you know players like that become almost players i can't take because they have no pass catching upside and i have so little on my team already like i'm never gonna add an adrian peterson here later anything or justice hill or someone like that even a darrington evans like these guys don't have locked in pass catching so neither do any rookies is kind of my point anthony mcfarlane speed and pass catching chops are not necessarily synonymous so that all remains to be seen because of the lack of uh, experience and production we saw from those kind of players at the at the college level. So while Darrington Evans and Anthony McFarlane, they profile as those kind of players and they've put a little bit of it on tape, more so Darrington Evans, but you just can't you can't bank on that for uh, roster construction purposes right now. So uh, I was I was pretty close to being caught up, I thought here. So where was I? No, I wasn't. It's because I keep stopping and talking about these guys. I can't. So I'm, I'm still, like, right around this 10th round here. So, you know, Tony Pollard and Curtis Samuel at the turn there. I like Tony Pollard, Curtis Samuel. I love both players. Those are sketchy picks, though, so, you know. But I love both players. So Marvin Jones, that can't be possible. Marvin Jones at the 11-2. I don't know what to say about that. Marvin Jones is somebody I'm willing to take in, like, the late 8th, early ninth round. So that's crazy. And Daniel Jones at the 11-12. Mike Gesicki in the 11th round is just highway robbery Henry Ruggs at the late 11th round well I don't love Henry Ruggs he should be going higher than players like Jalen Rager for for redraft he's uh he's gonna get a lot of volume they they took him as the first wide receiver off the board I uh I think he's gonna see a lot of volume and I just don't I don't see why he's going so so much later than uh like two two and a half full rounds later than than a Jalen Rager so Sammy Watkins at 13-1 a guy who we thought maybe would not be in Kansas City. Now it's looking like he definitely will be in Kansas City. So he's definitely an attractive option now. I like grabbing Sammy Watkins and then grabbing Demarcus Robinson, maybe even a Byron Pringle really late. So we saw Michael Pittman go at the 13-3. That's another guy that I'm not so sold on. He's like my 20th overall player in rookie rankings, and I don't really have a lot of eyes for him in redraft. And the same could go for Paris Campbell as well. So I think it's an interesting mix that people are really interested in the wide receiver too. There's no running backs I really want here. Still only sitting at the five wide receivers. Justin Jackson, somebody I would be looking at here, but I'd want to add a Josh Kelly late, and it doesn't really work. And just for the record, I don't think it's like outlandish to start looking at two defenses, maybe like the 49ers or the Patriots. Let's see, actually, if maybe if the 49ers or somebody went off, maybe I'll take the Patriots here. Nah, it's 14th. Let's go Ayuk. Even though I really want to see where guys went, uh, like these rookies. I just saw T. Higgins go off the board, so I'm definitely taking Ayuk here. He's my highest player on my board. If Antonio Gibson was a running back, by the way, he would. I'd, I'd have taken him like five rounds ago. So, where was I? Dear God. So, Mike Kosicki, Daniel Jones, great picks. Preston Williams, great pick at the 12-1. Joe Burrow at the 12-2. I think his athleticism and deep passing accuracy, I think that puts him in the conversation for top 12 right away. I think the argument with Joe Burrow is definitely uh, doesn't have that, that top 5 upside. You know, I am not a 101 Joe Burrow for super flex rookie drafts. I'm actually, I think I have him at the 104 or 103. But I definitely think for redraft is where I'm kind of interested in him. That's We're taking shots, right? Uh, 
when it comes to the quarterback position, especially in our redraft home leagues, right, where we can use the waiver wire. Matt Stafford should be going ahead of him, though. He went behind him, the deep passing, and they're building on that offensive line. They really actually spent a lot of decent capital in this draft to make sure they protect him uh, long enough for that deep pass to set up. So at the 12th round, fourth pick of the 12th round, San Francisco 49ers worth the first defense off the board. That is really early. Um, Denzel Mims at the 12-6. So I think he is uh, another guy who should probably be going ahead of Jalen Rager. Maybe I guess that one's pretty arguable. I think I have him, those kind of players in the same tier. But Denzel Mims is a guy with the Jets who dropped in the NFL draft. Like it hurt if you're a big Denzel Mims fan, but he's very, he's 23 years old. And I just think he's going to have some easy early production. I think people are just scared off because he dropped in the draft and he's from Baylor, but all we saw at the Senior Bowl was him dominate. You know, he just crushed, and he did not look raw, and he, he kind of does not look like your typical Baylor wide receiver outside of the crazy athleticism, of course. That does uh, that does carry weight with Denzel Mims. And like I said, he is an older prospect, so we can expect maybe some early production. So Jonu Smith at the 13-2, love. Michael Pittman, I didn't love, I said. So moving along from there, you got Justin Jackson, who I think should be going a little bit ahead uh, when you're looking at these rookies as well. Or sorry, Justin Jefferson. So Justin Jefferson at the 13-9, that's really good value. Hunter Renfro, one of the most confusing players because, you know, he led the pass catchers and targets, I think, last year in Oakland. But, you know, obviously they drafted a million players there and a lot of players who who operate in, in the same area of the field as him. So that's going to be an interesting one for for Hunter Renfro, who is a player I was just kind of coming around on when, when I was looking at starting to do some projections before the NFL draft. Brashad Perriman at the 14-2. Tell me why he's not Robbie Anderson. Um, I, I think Robbie Anderson has been a very reliable player in, in, a, in a weird sense. Like He's always going to see right around 100 targets, like 90 to 100 targets. He's going to have 50 to 60 catches, and he's going to have a 50 to 60% catch rate. Right? Like He's a pretty predictable player. The problem is all his production is predictably done, uh, like accomplished in like a three or four game stretch every season. Like you can set your clock to it. It's just crazy. Uh, it just fluctuates how many games it's going to come from, whether it's just a two game stretch or whether it's a seven game stretch, like it was in like 2017 or whatever. So I think Brashad Perriman can do that. And he plays that outside threat just fine. He looked good uh, doing so for the Buccaneers last year. And uh, I just think, yeah, I, I don't see a huge difference. I'll put it that way. I like Robbie Anderson's as a player a little bit better, but I think it's pretty interesting that Perriman's going so much later uh, than Robbie Anderson was last year in yeah, fantasy drafts. And you know where, where he's going is kind of criminal at the 14th round right now. So in the 15th round, I could add Jimmy Garoppolo. That's interesting. Cause I did just add a Brandon. Ayuk. I almost never ever do this. And seriously, I we never do this. I really screwed up my tight end too, though, because do you think Chris Herndon is a viable like starting option? Like, if you had a redraft league and it was Travis Kelsey's bye week, would you be fine plugging in Chris Herndon? Because I don't want to do a three tight end team. I do not. So let's go Chris Herndon here. What's his ADP? Unless his ADP is like maybe I'm like lost my mind. And he should be a last round pick. So no, all off season from the whole off season, his ADP is 171 and a half, and I'm picking 174. So let's do it. Let's do it. There's not a lot more tight ends I like. You know, if I'm going to do a three tight end team build, that's what I like. What I like to do is just add a Greg Olson and Will Disley with late picks, right? Or, uh, you know, a Kyle Rudolph and uh, what's his face, uh, Irv Smith. But I just think that's, it's getting into sketchy territory when you start doing that. Oh, I got to figure out the Houston Texans 
tight end situation. Jesus Murphy. Um, Rashad Perriman, great pick. So Deshaun Jackson went right after him. So T. Higgins at the 14-4. That's the guy who spurred me to take Brendan Ayuk at 14-7. T. Higgins, man, what you should do if you add T. Higgins is add John Ross. One of those guys is going to be the deep threat, man. And I love the idea. I'm a huge T. Higgins proponent, too. I think he wins in every way. I just worry a little bit about his athleticism, obviously. But uh, not only his athleticism, but the history of me being excited about players who profile very similar to him, who just dominated it at the catch point, you know, after the catch in the red zone volume, everything we love about T Higgins, just a skyscraper too, prototype. But, you know, I've fallen in love with these guys before. So T Higgins, I loved, and I love that he's going to bloom alongside Joe Burrow, but for redraft, obviously we need AJ Green to leave. Does AJ Green do the Cincinnati Bengals a favor playing on that franchise tag after, you know, the team's done absolutely zero fucking favors for him in his entire career. I'm not so sure. So AJ Green being a bangle, I, I'm just sick of listening to the team when it comes to AJ Green because every time we hear from AJ Green, it's a different story. And he said even before all this went down that, quote, it wouldn't be the best thing if he got the franchise tag, you know, so I just don't see why he would want to play at his advanced age when he knows a team would go out there and pay him for two or three seasons, uh, at least, you know, two years guaranteed or something. He, he... He would be best served. If anyone's deserved to pull the poopy pants and get out of town uh, instead of playing on a one-year deal, it's A.J. Green. He's earned that right. And I think he can go and find more than, like, whatever it is, the $17 million, Because that's the argument, right, is it's going to be hard for A.J. Green to turn down whatever the franchise tag is for the wide receiver position. I imagine it's high, like, probably in the 16 to $18 million range. So it's going to be hard for him to turn it down. But if he can go out elsewhere, if his agent can explore trade or whatever – and they can maybe get an asset and a team can pay him 25 mil guaranteed over three years or something that just it all makes so much sense for AJ Green to be elsewhere which would open the door for T Higgins to have immediate impact in 2020 otherwise I think that's a, a sketchy proposition well I see him running some deep routes being a big you know down the field contested catch guy for Joe Burrow um he'll have to share those duties with John Ross like at least the go routes and stuff like uh very interesting to see how that all plays out. I do love T. Higgins though in the long term. And then, so yeah, I took Brennan Ayuk at the 14-7. What, what can I say? He's the yards after the catch reception leader of this class. He's just an absolute machine after the catch. And he's paired with an offense that can put his, you know, Kyle Shanahan is famous for putting his, his wide receivers in the best spot after the catch, like just to make magic on their own afterwards. So I have a lot of faith in that. And that pick with Brendan Ayuk and obviously them spending a first round pick and not trading out of that pick even uh, which is more telling when they had no second third or fourth round pick or maybe they had picked up a fourth anyways they love Brendan Ayuk they said he was his number one wide receiver <laughs> or whatever that's worth uh, I'm sure he's in the best shape of his life and he's a scrappy go-getter first guy in last guy out as well you know puts his heart out on lunch pale guy but I am a huge Brendan Ayuk fan I think he's a far better prospect than Inkeel Harry he was the former Arizona State guy I just think you know, Brendan Ayuk took the scenic route uh, to the pinnacle of making the NFL. So Brendan Ayuk, name to know, and a guy to be taking at the back half of your drafts and all your redrafts as well because he could have a lot of early production because it's not hard to catch the ball, and Kyle Shanahan will let him do that, and Brendan Ayuk will show you what he does afterwards. It's going to be, it could be very similar to what we saw with Juju Smith-Schuster, but about like 75% of the volume because we have to remember San Francisco, well, they're not throwing deep and they set up perfectly for somebody like Brendan Ayuk and Debu Samuel and all these players and George Kittle. It's all going to be pure yards after the catch, but it's going to be at a low volume because they're still going to run the ball a ton. And, uh, you know, there won't be a lot. There won't be 
a lot. He Brendan Ayuk's going to be hard pressed to see seventy percent snap share. I'll put it that way. Sue, so I should probably concentrate on this draft here because I really need to add a running back. I'm going to go six running backs. There's no exception here. I could even end up with a seven running back team here. I, I just I I'm sketched out about my quarterback and running backs. Uh, quarterback and tight end room. I didn't build them exactly how I like to. I would have liked to have been able to get that Ryan Tannehill who went right in front of me. So Matt Ryan, Jared Goff. Not a super solid quarterback room if you're going to rely on them every week. You know, I'll get a few 30-week, I'll get like a handful of 30-point weeks out of them. What I am confident in is that Matt Ryan will give me a lot of floor. Like, I'm going to get a ton of 20-point weeks out of Matt Ryan. And I'll get a a substantial amount of 20- to 30-point games from Jared Goff as well. But I'm not going to be winning the quarterback position, that's for sure. And then you look at my running back position, and I'm not sure I'm winning there either with Jonathan Taylor, Kareem Hunt, Tariq Cohen, Latavius Murray. I need Latavius Murray to have that post-hype sleeper season, that 2017 Jarek McKinnon, Latavius Murray season with Alvin Kamara and him uh, in a better situation, obviously, than that. And, you know, we've seen Latavius Murray do it behind a great offensive line. I know it's not super uh, great sighting stats from running backs uh, three, four, five years ago, whatever it was with Oakland, uh, Latavius Murray putting up those running back one seasons. But we know that the Saints are just a machine when it comes to efficiency in the run game in the last three years. And last year was a complete anomaly after being first in the NFL in rushing touchdowns in 2017 and 2018. Uh, they had just an abysmal rushing touchdown season last year. So should I add how many wide receivers? Because Josh Reynolds doesn't even fit my team that well other than having Jared Goff. So I did. I added Antonio Gibson. I, I don't know if I even mentioned that. I added Antonio Gibson in that last round. Let's look at defenses here really quick. So I am, I'm just going to add the Minnesota Vikings defense. And kind of reflective of my whole team, that is a uh, kind of a floor play there. So I ran down my running backs there. So I have Michael Thomas, Juju Smith-Schuster, DK Metcalf, DJ Chark, Will Fuller, Brandon Ayuk, and Antonio Gibson. So very solid wide receiver group. So I am still way back here. Why do I keep talking about these guys? So I mentioned Justin Jefferson at the 13th round. I mentioned T. Higgins. Where was I here? John Ross went five picks after T. Higgins. So I have them right right beside each other for now. Alan Lazard at the 15-4. That's a guy I wanted to mention wherever he went because he was pretty high on my list there for a long time. I have Alan Lazard and Marquez Valdez-Scantling right beside each other. I think we should be grabbing both those guys right now. Just like we were grabbing Marquez Valdez-Scantling and Jerome Allison last year at like five rounds more expensive prices than both of them are going this year. I don't think we have to worry very much about Jay Sternberger either. And I think Jimmy Graham being gone is somewhat understated. I know that <laughs> we've gotten the smoke signals that this is going to be a much more run-heavy offense. But I, I just think uh, there's there's going to be spiked weeks to be had. And it's going to be either Alan Lazard, it would be my bet, and then uh, Marquez Valdez-Scantling, who saw a ton of deep targets last year, and a ton of inaccurate deep targets. I think people don't realize that, yeah, Aaron Rodgers is top five every year in deep targets, but uh, in deep passing, but last year he was extremely inaccurate on targets uh, deep down the field to Marquez Valdez-Scantling. And, you know, people talked a lot about Curtis Samuel having an abysmal catchable deep target rate, but Marquez Valdez-Scantling's on that list as well. So, that is a great pick. I, I really like that pick. So, LaVisca Chenault at the 15-7. That was a guy I was actually looking at because of adding DJ Chark. I would have loved to grab LaVisca Chenault. I really like LaVisca Chenault. I don't know what's going to happen with D.D. Westbrook. I know that I've always had concerns about how much the guy weighs and other things with D.D. Westbrook. I think 
everybody was chasing a little bit of college production there with D.D. Westbrook. I like D.D. Westbrook. He's just up against it when it comes to his size. And when you look at guys who are as small, as light as he is, they need to be, you know, complete outliers like uh, like uh, Henry Ruggs or like uh, Tyree Kill, right? They have to be the outliers. And I'm just, I, I was never sold that D.D. Westbrook was. And he went at the 16-4. I also wanted to point out Alshon Jeffrey. I, for a long time, was under the assumption that he would be cut, would be released. But, you know, the way they went about this offseason, they added a ton of speed to that offense, obviously. And they used their pick on a Jalen Rager, who's going to be used in motion. He's going to, he's a very versatile weapon. And Alshon Jeffrey, they still don't have that guy outside of Dallas Goddard and Zach Ertz. Maybe only Dallas Goddard, who's that go up and get it point of catch contested catch guy so you know Alshon Jeffrey still has a role in this offense and it wouldn't surprise me if he if he sticks around and plays a significant role uh as Carson Wett's favorite red zone target or favorite third down target you know what I mean I hope that transitions more to Dallas Goddard I hope Alshon Jeffrey straight up cut but um the tea leaves just don't they, they don't necessarily say that anymore I don't think Randall Cobb another guy we didn't see the Houston Texans able to spend very many picks in the NFL draft after all their trades and everything. And, you know, new Hopkins gone. Randall Cobb is a pretty sneaky, safe play. I mean, not necessarily the way we're trying to attack the back end of our wide receiver groups in a best ball tournament. But if you do need a safe option at this point of the draft, I do like Randall Cobb and, uh, they certainly paid him to be, to be used. Uh, like he's going to get used by, Okay, so I'm going to go defense again here because I really like this pick in the 18th round. I've made it a ton of times. It's one of my highest highest owned players in the 18th and 19th round. So I'm taking the Los Angeles Rams defense. I think uh, they want to control the ball. I want They're going to have pretty high time possession numbers, I think. But more importantly, they have Aaron Donald and they have Jalen Ramsey. If those aren't the two best NFL players on defense, uh, I don't know who are, but they're, they're pretty damn close. So I'll take the team's defense who have the best defensive player uh in the nfl inarguably in aaron donald on that defensive line in the interior and then they have you know arguably the best cover corner in the nfl who causes uh you know quarterbacks to just look elsewhere so i think it's a, a pretty high floor defense as well and the way this team is operating it's you know i'm not going to add another quarterback it's matt ryan and jared goff here we go uh if i look at the quarterbacks here it's going to be taking a shot on a James Winston or Cam Newton, right? Derek Carr is the one that's kind of interesting. I think maybe some people are scared that he loses his job. I'm not necessarily sold on that. Never really knew how to feel about the Tuatanga Vailoa and picks like that where you know they're going to get into games. You know it because first-round quarterbacks always play in year one. Top 10 quarterbacks always play in year one. Uh, we remember Daniel Jones was not going to play last year, and they, just, they always play. It's an exact science. So... I never knew what to do with these guys because you can get them for free in best ball tournaments, but the rules of thumbs really strongly suggest that you shouldn't be taking quarterbacks past round 12. They're wasted picks, so I think that's something we should look more into when it comes to the Tua Tagovailoa's or even the Justin Herberts, who you know is going to play at some point this year. Tyrod Taylor has never held off a rookie quarterback. He's never played a full season in his career, and uh, I think we're under a rating that Justin Herbert's going to come in and be useful for fantasy just because of what he adds with his legs. Having said that, none of those quarterbacks make sense, right? Like, I'm not going to add them over, you know, defenses. Like, I could add, uh, I still have New England's defense on my board right now. I mean, they won't be there for me, but. Oh, my God, no. Oh, that's the history. Okay. <laughs> you are on deck. You are up. So, I don't have great plays here. 
So right now, like uh, a rule of thumb, obviously, when you're chasing running backs in a draft, like I obviously knew I was going to be doing, you're kind of betting on high variance, right? You're banking on it almost. So I'm going to build it into my lineup a little bit more here because I think Jalen Samuels is still going to get some pass catching work. Maybe I'm a little bit off my Richter here with uh, with Jalen Samuels, but taking him in the 19th round, why not? So Jalen Samuels is pairing with Anthony McFarland, so I have those two pieces in that Pittsburgh offense. If James Conner was to be injured, and I you know don't suggest that he won't not be injured, uh, I think Jalen Samuels and Anthony McFarland are going to have the run of that backfield. I think Benny Snell is somebody we can kind of leave, leave for dead, to be honest. I, I, I like Benny Snell. If you watch Benny Snell at Kentucky, he's exciting. He's electric, really fun player to watch. But he's he's one of those guys who, if they don't translate to the NFL, you know what I mean, who really shake tackles and all that. They're really tough and run with their pants on fire. But, you know, they're not super fast. They, they, if they don't translate, they really don't. It's kind of like uh, some of those wide receivers. So uh, I guess with my last pick, I'll probably – like. The wide receiver position is interesting because I have Michael Thomas, Juju Smith-Schuster, DK Metcalf, DJ Chark, Will Fuller, Brennan Ayuk, and Antonio Gibson. I could stop there with seven wide receivers and take my best player on my board. The thing is, there's not a lot of running backs jumping out at me. I have Jalen Richard on my board, and I think it's interesting. I, I'd love to be able to add Jalen Richard and Lynn Bowden. And then I have somebody like Michael P. Ryan, who I am just so not a fan of as a prospect. He's one of my least favorite prospects. I cannot believe he was taken in the fourth round. It just... It blows my mind that somebody like LaMichael P. Ryan could be drafted in the fourth round, but uh, I also, if somebody's drafted in the fourth round and if somebody like Le'Veon Bell isn't isn't producing, uh, they they could give more reign to LaMichael P. Ryan. It's one of the worst backfields in, in, in the NFL with uh, Le'Veon Bell and LaMichael P. Ryan. Le'Veon Bell was just unbelievably atrocious last year, one of the worst efficiency seasons we've seen in, in, in the history of the NFL, really. And uh, LaMichael P. Ryan is... <laughs> He has no Le'Veon Bell, so it's it's a pretty interesting fit there with Michael P. Ryan, and maybe I just completely talked myself out of it. I probably actually, maybe I'll look at a third defense here because I need to build in some sort of upside here. I'm really not a huge fan of this team, but if I had three stronger defenses, maybe adding a Seattle who could give me spiked weeks at home or something. Um, because, yeah, my board is not great. Like, I have Kenny Stills, Corey Davis. You know, these guys are not, not the guys I really want to be targeting right now. Oh, actually, I have a Chase Claypool, so I could take... And Josh Reynolds is still there. I don't know why Josh Reynolds would be there in the 20th round. Or DJ Dow. So let's go. What are my running backs? Maybe I'll go seven running backs. I never do that. So I have two, four, six. Because DJ Dallas is somebody that. You are on deck. Hmm. You are up. So Lynn Bowden, Chase Claypool, Josh Reynolds. So obviously I didn't add Jalen Richard either. So why why would I take Lynn Bowden? I think I'm gonna go seven running back DJ Dallas. I'm just taking a second look because I have DK Metcalf, some some more Seattle guys. I love to know who the third running back in in that Saints backfield is gonna be because that's the player I'd be adding here to pair with Latavius Murray. Um, Ryan Null, get that Chicago backfield, right? Too many names in that Colts one, so Taylor's good. There's nobody I really want here, so let's just go DJ Dallas. I'll do a rare seven running back team build. So draft is pretty much over. I want to go back and look at some more of these rookies, though, really quick before we get out of here. Then I'll roll down my team at the very end, so...
we were right around the 12th round there. We were looking at guys. Uh, I wanted to point out Devontae Freeman. I remember that one in 12th round. That was really early for me because uh, I pointed out Marvin Jones in the 11th. Yeah, so these are some great picks here. But yeah, Devontae Freeman at the 12-12. I don't know, uh, don't know what's going on there. Chase Edmonds, still a guy I like. Eno Benjamin's going to get a lot of hype when it comes to pass catching and everything. I was actually surprised Eno Benjamin got drafted once he was like past the fourth round. Uh, I thought maybe like a LaMichael P. Ryan, you know what I mean? He would get drafted, but I wasn't necessarily sure he should be. So, you know, you definitely worry about Eno Benjamin, and I'd definitely be banking on... Uh, on Chase Edmonds, seeing seeing quite a bit of touches there. We know that that offensive volume is going to go up, and the whole argument for Chase Edmonds last year was that uh, David Johnson couldn't handle all that volume when, when, when we saw all that play volume. So, you know, Isaiah Simmons at eighth overall, he's going to cover some tight ends. That's a fantasy note for, for the Arizona Cardinals last year who could not do so. And I just think the whole offense is going to be able to benefit from the Cardinals' defense, maybe giving them a little more uh, little more help when it comes to time of possession because they, they just could not stop offenses they allowed the most yards on offense to opposing uh offense last year the cardinals did so that can only that's that's what happened last year pretty much with the cardinals there's a million reasons to point to why the cardinals will bounce back in 2020 when it comes to positive touchdown regression when it comes to you know touchdown uh conversion rate in the red zone like there's just a million things yards per attempt to the wide receiver position all these reasons but uh that's one of the easiest ones is that they're going to see an increase in play volume and what we expect uh what we anticipated with cliff kingsbury coming in was was that huge play volume and i think we will get that so mentioned brashad perriman so this guy went uh in back to back here at the turn he went drew Locke and teddy bridgewater so if you're going to go uh and draft quarterbacks past that range you know that's what you're gonna have to do so so you can be the judge if you want drew Locke and teddy bridgewater you know maybe drew Locke has a ceiling i think unfortunately for everyone involved i think they're gonna t- play it safe with drew Locke and just let him make the easy throws to all these really good weapons in the offense and i don't think it's gonna be like an explosive big spiked week offense i think it'll be a high floor offense and you know that's the that's Teddy Bridgewater in a nutshell. I'm only, I I know he went five and zero with the Saints last year, but I don't think he put up over twenty one points in. Uh, I think he did one 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 of those games, and I think he's only put up more than twenty one points in like three of his thirty five starts in the NFL. So, uh, Tyrell Williams going in the fifteenth round. Do not like that pick. Jamal Williams in the fifteenth round. I don't mind that pick because where did AJ Dillon go? So AJ Dillon went in the eleventh round. I think one of the big things that we're missing is how unique this offseason is going to be. Like These guys are going to be left to their own devices when it comes to learning the playbook, when it comes to conditioning, when it comes to all these things. And you know the pros know how to do it, and these rookies might not. These rookies are also getting the first taste of some real money in their lives as well. So you, know, you always wonder how a unique offense is going to affect some of these rookies, especially when it comes to if they if they don't have the playbook down if they don't have things like pass blocking down and stuff like that so jamal williams we know aaron Rodgers trusts him we know he was trusted last year and we know that there's room for two running backs in the screen bay offense to be fantasy viable or at least relevant so aj Dillon and jamal williams going four rounds apart i think you know both of them should be going right around the 13th or 14th round really not interested in either of them to be honest because they're not going to see any of the pass catching work in that offense and I don't think they're going to see a ton of that red zone work either I mean Aaron Jones is too good making people miss in close so I just don't see why they would so LaVisca Chenault we mentioned him in the 15th round like that pick Alan Lazard in the 15th pick I love it love it love it Larry Fitzgerald in the 15th Nah, what are you gonna do Jay Sternberger, he is a guy who is going to get drafted and be on a ton of sleeper lists. I'm not so old that we won't see what we expected to see last year, and that's an incubation period for a young tight end. 
under a quarterback who doesn't trust young players. So I don't know why Jay Sternberger is going to be championed as a big sleeper this year. I think we're basically going to get a rookie tight end season after he was hurt all last year out of Jay Sternberger, and Aaron Rodgers just doesn't really uh, rely on those young players. So looking at some more of these rookies, I I took uh, Antonio Gibson in that late 16th round. We also saw Alshon Jeffrey. I mentioned that one. Didi Westbrook going later than LaVisca Chenault. If uh, if you wanted to, you could add both those players. I think LaVisca Chenault has all the upside in the world, though, whereas Didi Westbrook has all the floor in the world. Like, even if he was to be the slot wide receiver in this in this offense, like the starting slot wide receiver, I'm just not sure that he has that upside. I mean, last year he displayed horrible upside in an offense that was, that was you know, giving their wide receivers upside for days. It was crazy. So, you know, he's one of those players who uh, it's really hard, basically, to see 100 targets and not finish as a top 36 wide receiver, and that's exactly what D.D. Westbrook did last year. And that's uh, exactly what a guy like Randall Cobb might do this year, uh, who's a guy who went in the 16th round. And Jeff Wilson in the 17th round. That's very interesting. I hadn't really uh, considered him in a lot of drafts. I have him in a lot of deep dynasty leagues, but uh, we want San Francisco running backs, that's for sure. And if you want to know their UDFAs, we're looking at guys like Salvin Achmed, and we're also looking at, uh, what's-his-face, Jermichael Hasty, who we saw in the Senior Bowl, and has some pass-catching chops. So Darrington Evans in the late 17th round. I don't know if people are trying to portray him as the new Deion Lewis. I'm not sold on Darrington Evans' pass-catching upside. I want to see it first. I know that he will give you a lot of explosive runs, though, that's for sure. And Jeff Wilson going at the late 17th in the first pick of the 18th round was Jarek McKinnon. So pretty interesting there to see how all that works out with Jarek McKinnon because we knew he had some dead money. We didn't know what was going to happen. Now we, we, I think he reworked that contract. So, And at Lost Souls, great play. So he took Greg Olson in the 17th round and turned around and did what we were talking about, taking Will Disley in the 18th round. So I really like uh, doing that with your tight end group as your second and third tight end, especially on an offense that you can chase that position, which is few and far between, but we can definitely do that with Russell Wilson. And I mentioned him, you have Eno Benjamin in the 18th round. So I know a lot of people are expecting some pass catching from Eno Benjamin. Not sold on that either. I know Cliff Kingsbury's running back was supposed to come with pass catching upside attached to him. But I'm really hoping Kenyon Drake gets a a significant portion of that. Uh, You know, if he doesn't get 50 targets, I think that's criminal. And then you look at somebody like Chase Edmonds who can also offer a ton of upside in that department. So... Yeah, Eno Benjamin was a guy I would have been interested in if he landed somewhere like New England or, you know, somewhere who could use him in that pure third down role if they needed to. You okay, kitty? And so these are the other guys I wanted to look at. So you have Jameis Winston and Cam Newton. They both went in the late 18th, early 19th round, uh, respectively. What are you doing with those guys? I don't know. I, I can't stomach them at this time. Like, I'm not taking them on the hopes that it becomes a great value. I know Jameis Winston probably won't be right him in New Orleans there now, but uh, Cam Newton's the one that I think people are expecting him to land a starting job. I just don't see where. I don't see a team that uh, trusts him enough health-wise, like durability-wise, to roll them out how he wants to be used. And I... Yeah, I could talk all day about Cam Newton and how he needs 585 rushing yards and six rushing touchdowns to be a top five quarterback. He's a totally boomer bust player from a career perspective. So Cam Newton's a guy we should be avoiding almost regardless of if he was a starting quarterback for a team. And then you put aside the fact that most teams that we're chasing obviously have their quarterbacks in place, like teams that have weapons that we want to covet and yeah, I just don't see Cam Newton having that rushing upside that he needs to be a top five quarterback. And if he's not a top five quarterback, we learn he's not even a quarterback one. So that's pretty much it. Lots of uh, rookies that were not drafted. That's for sure. We uh, 
we definitely we still have time to get some values on these rookies. This is kind of the point we're making in this draft. Because players like Josh Reynolds, who's not a rookie, he's a veteran player, but players like Lynn Bowden, uh, Chase Claypool, you know, all these guys aren't getting drafted. Even a Russell Gage, Marquez Valdez-Scantling, these are guys who won from the NFL draft, uh, and and they're not getting their, their, their due respect yet. Even an Andy Isabella should probably be drafted since uh, the Cardinals are showing a little bit of faith by not going out and drafting other uh, wide receiver pieces. So I'll just I'll run down my team and then I'll get out of here because I've already been here forever. So let's look at my ugly team that, you know, keep in mind, we're kind of just looking for where these rookies are going. So Matt Ryan and Jared Goff, my two quarterback team. Matt Ryan, Jared Goff, a couple low floor guys who probably don't have a huge uh, ceiling either. Like neither of them probably top five quarterbacks. My running backs, Jonathan Taylor, Kareem Hunt, Tariq Cohen, Latavius Murray, Anthony McFarland, Jalen Samuels, DJ Dallas. My strength of the team, definitely at the wide receiver position. So I have Michael Thomas, Juju Smith-Schuster, DK Metcalf, DJ Chark, Will Fuller, Brandon Ayuk, and Antonio Gibson. At the tight end position, I have the big dog, Travis Kelsey, and then I have Chris Herndon. So the, the sketchy two tight end build as well. And speaking of which, I also went to team defenses only with the Minnesota Vikings and the Los Angeles Rams. So to Rams Nation and everybody else, thanks for listening. Hope everybody is, you know, getting a better feel on some of these rookies or at least, you know, being like, oh my God, I can't believe that guy's going there. I can't believe that guy's going there. I'm going to get a lot of shares of this guy this offseason, you know. Hope those were the thoughts going through your head during this. So thanks so much. Uh, follow me on Twitter at TNFFTyrell. Follow Travis at TCL14. Uh, check out the best ball rankings at truenorthffb.com, best ball rankings. And I am out of here. Thanks so much.